Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influitive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Calmore. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Randall, CMO of Playvox. Playvox provides powerfully simple workforce engagement management solutions to transform customer care and help customers unlock the full potential in every employee and every interaction. Prior to her current role, Michelle served as a CMO of Splashtop, a remote access and help desk solution, and ProCare, a child care management solution. She also served as a CMO of Saranova, now called LifeSize, the cloud-based call center technology. Before that, she was VP of marketing for Comcast Business. In that role, she led marketing and the West Division's 100-person loyalty contact center and saw firsthand the deep relationship between agent engagement and customer experience. Today, we talked about customer marketing programs, and more specifically, how to get them going on a tight budget. Michelle shares her thoughts on why customer marketing programs are so impactful. She gives a list of 10, plus a few bonus things you can do to get started on a tight budget. And I share some very bad ideas about customer marketing. Or are they genius ideas? Only time will tell. But that time is now, and no, they were, they were pretty bad. Michelle, welcome to the All About the Customer podcast. So great to have you here. So nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So today we're going to be talking about customer marketing, which to be fair is most of what we talk about on the show. Uh, but we're going to be talking about, you know, starting programs, uh, you know, specifically kind of low to no cost ways to do it. But I'd first love to take a little trip down memory lane with you uh, in your memory uh, to learn about, you know, your past experience working with customer marketing programs. I'd, I'd love to learn what you've done in the past with them and why you think that they're so effective. I've done customer marketing for a long, long time in my career and started actually doing them, oh gosh, so long ago when I was at a company named Genesis Conferencing, and we actually bought marketing automation in order to do customer marketing. So back then we were trying to get people to use our conferencing solutions. And so we just started with nurture streams, which at the time, I mean, this is back in gosh, I think, uh, 2001, 2002. So super early days of marketing automation. And we originally, again, bought it so that we could encourage usage of our platform for our customers. So my journey with customer marketing started then. And then, um, years after that, and during that, I was actually an early customer of Eloqua, which is now owned by Oracle And their customer marketing program was something that I aspired to. It was just phenomenal in terms of what they did with their customers, with their advisory board. And so I modeled things that I did after that. So um, yeah, long history of creating, running, managing, and overseeing customer marketing. I mean, it sounds like you've been doing customer marketing before it was called customer marketing. You're well before that. Good marketing. It's good marketing. Yeah. That, back yeah. when it was just called good marketing, uh, yeah. you were doing it. And, and so what did, what did you see both in the programs that you're running, both in, you talked about what Eloqua was doing. What did you see that made you realize that this was just such an effective way? Why, why was it such good marketing? Well, one of the ways that, so first of all, when we implemented uh, El, back in the day, Eloqua, for our customer marketing, you know, no surprise, we increased usage, we increased cross-sell, upsell opportunities, we expanded opportunities. So it was just like, okay, this is just, it's easy to create some advocacy around our solutions. 
And then from what I saw, what Eloqua was doing, and that program was run by a woman named Heather Faye, who still is just, I think, the queen of uh, customer marketing. She just made you feel really special. So because I was an early user, you know, I became an early reference customer. I spoke at events. I spoke at serious decisions. I went, you know, I won an award at an eloquent conference. And, and all of that made me be that much more involved and delighted by using Eloqua. And I think the biggest thing, Dan, to really um, take away is what Eloqua did back then is they formed a, a community. And so I continued to buy their software, not because they didn't have, they had differentiated features, but more because the community that I got of other marketers who were trying, who were struggling with similar things that I were, was back in the day, um, I, that was really the reason. So it's, it's making sure that you have that community aspect. I'm convinced customer marketing is good marketing. It's the things to do. But when we're recording this in 2023, everybody's marketing budgets are being cut. And, you know, I think to, to do customer marketing really well, you need some resources, you know, money and people, but you've put together a, a list of 10 things, 10 do more with less ideas, uh, you've called it for customer marketing. So yes. I would love to to go through those uh, one by one and just learn a little bit around what you're thinking around each one. If you can expand on each one, if, if you're game for that. I am totally game for that. And we can riff off any of the ones that I, I mentioned. So let's go. Do you want me to start? Uh, sure. So the, the first one is form virtual user groups. What, what do you mean with that one? So first of all, let's back up. So anything that you do for customer marketing or demand marketing, you also have to take a step back and say, what am I trying to solve with this program? It's similar to like, if you know you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So first ask yourself, what are you trying to do? So for example, if you're trying to drive the adoption of certain features in your product, then I would recommend number one is form virtual user groups. So invite a cohort of customers who are not using something in your product. So for example, reports or dashboards, and then do a workshop on that topic and maybe have a customer show and tell about their dashboard. So if you do have a customer who loves a certain feature and that's the similar feature that other folks are not using, highlight that customer and have a little bit of a show and tell and help drive adoption of that feature. And that's obviously, you know, costs you nothing aside from uh, time. Yeah. Well, and I love that because I think it's it's true customer marketing in a couple of ways. I mean, the, the one side of it is, you know, marketing to our customers for, for cross-sell and upsell, but also the one important aspect there is bringing a customer in there to help you do that, right? I mean, we, we I think all in customer marketing know that the voice of our customer is probably the most effective thing we can do. So it's not just, you know, you talking about these things, it's, it's your advocate customers uh, doing the selling for you, which is so impactful. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the next one, sneak peek product releases. This one's pretty fun. Uh, I really like the idea behind this one. T tell us about this idea. Yeah, so hopefully you are already doing webinars for your customers every quarter or so to let them know, hey, here's what's coming in our, in our solution. Here's what you can look forward to. But one thing I really like to do, especially when your customer base is getting large and you can't be super interactive on the webinar that I already mentioned, is do a sneak peek for your best customers a couple of days before you release it to sort of the general public of your customers. So you can pick folks who are advocates, you can pick folks who take a lot of reference calls. 
So you really just, it's just a way to say, hey, you're special. So we're going to allow a sneak peek. And that way you can also allow more interactivity. You can allow Q&A and you let folks feel special because they're getting access directly to your product team. And it gives the product team also a dry run to know if the content is resonating. So that's, that's an easy one too. This is a great example because we often overlook how powerful exclusivity can feel. We're always looking for ways to reward our customers, but when we don't have the budget for that, we reach an impasse. But there are plenty of free options like this one Michelle's talking about here. Make some of your customers feel like VIPs by getting exclusive access to product release info. For them, it makes them feel special. For you, you're getting valuable feedback. What are the things you're trying to get out of that customer group that's getting the sneak peek? Like, what are the things you're trying to understand with this webinar presentation? First of all, I mean, you just want to make your best customers feel really special. But second of all, you want to think about, you know, you, you're obviously doing a dry run beforehand, but you want to hear some of the questions that they have and then be prepared in the wider group when you do that a couple of days later for those questions. And maybe you even put them in as seed questions and say, hey, we had questions you know, these are the kinds of questions we would expect you to have and just incorporate it into your presentation. And I think we all have those customers who are good at asking us really tough questions. So yeah. those are probably the first people you want to invite to these sneak peeks, I would imagine. Exactly. Exactly. You really want the tough questions in more of a safer environment as opposed to in front of hundreds of people. So the next one is is really interesting to me, which is start an advocacy program, because to, to me, in my mind, this is something I, I wouldn't think to put on a list of do more with less. Like I, I think of advocacy programs as, you know, something that you really need time and, and resources and people behind. Maybe it's less than people think, but interested to know your thoughts on this and, and why you feel like this is a good or, or how you can do an advocacy program as a, a no or low cost solution. Yeah, so when I say no or low cost, it does require woman manpower, um, they power to run and track it. So it can be as simple as sending, you know, a handwritten note to folks after they've done a reference call. It can be a handwritten note after they've spoken at an event for you. So it doesn't require a lot in terms. I think a lot of times people think advocacy and they think oh, I must spend $100 a person and send them this really special package or something like that. I don't think that's most people's expectations. I think they just want to be recognized for something nice that they did. So you could do, you know, you can send a coffee gift card or something like that. And it's just a, it's just a way of saying thank you for whatever they've done for you. Yeah. And and I think like a lot of the other uh, options on your list, this is a good way to prove out something before making a bigger investment, right? Like a lot of times you can run maybe a, a trial advocacy program, just, you know, trying to hack it together for, for a month or two, see the impact of it before you then start realizing, you know, hey, we're getting to a point where we need some sort of a platform to help scale this. We need more people or resources. Uh, but I think it's probably something that on a small scale is really easy to put together in a few weeks time and then build the case for it to whoever holds the budget for uh, putting yeah. more money behind it. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Start small. Ever All of these start small, like tiptoe into it. You don't have to blow out an entire program. You can start small and test various things with various customers. 
that's the greatest thing that you can do. And and if you're trying to put together a, a lower no cost advocacy program, like what are what are some ways that you have seen going about that? Like I would imagine it's probably starting with some sort of customer advisory board or a group of advocates that you already have. Like is that typically where you would begin with doing something really quick? You can do that, or you could just start with, you know, hey, I've used this person a couple of times for a reference call, or I've used this person a couple of times to speak on a webinar with me. So I'm going to send them a coffee gift card, or I'm going to send them a, a gift certificate for a brand that I know that, you know, they're into golfing. So I'm going to send them something to, you know, a small thing like that. It doesn't have to be a big spend item. It just has to say, Hey, I thought about you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for all that you do. Yeah. And that kind of feeds into the previous point we were talking about, you know, things like those product uh, sneak peeks. Like I think there's a lot of different ways that you can reward these people that don't necessarily cost money. if, If your budget for this is quite literally zero. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So number four, a good welcome program. Uh, yep. And for this, you're talking about a couple different things. So both new accounts, but also new users. What are you talking about here? You stole my, you stole my, the two things, I, the two ways to do it, dad. So Sorry, this is uh, your list. <laughs> I'm taking credit for it. I came up with this list. This number four is all me. Um, so there's really two spins. So you can do, you know, obviously we all think about doing it for new accounts. So like, Welcome, Dan. You know, thank you so much for being a part of, you know, our family. So that's one way. And that's, you know, usually most of us are doing some sort of welcome program, whether it's an email or sending like a a box of goodies or something like that. Um, But you can. So if we go back to the no cost, low cost, you can do a couple of emails. You can do recorded videos where it's like, hey, welcome, but you can do it for new accounts and then you can also do it for new users. So if you have folks who are just starting to use your platform, so say marketing's been using this particular platform and now customer success is also using it. So you would send something to the new users along with uh, new accounts. So it's, you know, sort of labor intensive, especially if you're sending out a physical thing, which is why I think you can do the same thing with emails and recorded videos instead. And so how customized are you getting with each one? Like, do you, are you, rec- and obviously I'm, I'm sure it's situational, but are, do you typically see it more impactful when people are putting together somewhat of a customized email each time, somewhat of a customized video, or is it enough to just do like a, welcome new team video and then send that off every time a new team joins? I think, again, it depends. So if you're talking about software that costs millions of dollars, you probably want to customize it and, you know, thank folks for um, for joining your you know family of solutions. However, in my experience, you can make it generic and just say, you know, thanks for becoming part of the Playbox family we're here for you, you know, here's a, here's a little something to get you started in terms of like a recorded video or something like that. And I guess maybe specifically with, with Playvox or just what you've seen in past companies, who are these emails coming from and who's doing the video recording? Like, is it somebody well, in marketing? Is it their CSM? Is it a salesperson? No, I, so it can be, it can be whoever has the time or energy resources. I think it's better when it comes from the head of customer experience or the CSM, or, you know, if 
the marketing person is the one who has the time and energy to do it. It can come from anybody as long as you're, you're sending something, at, at least an email to say, hey, welcome, thanks for choosing us. This is an interesting approach because often we leave these things to the people who own the relationships. We leave it to CSMs or account managers to do the outreach, or at best, maybe it'll come from a generic marketing email. But customer marketers need to be close to their customers. I mean, it's literally in the job title. This might be the perfect chance to get your face in front of your customers and to make those connections. So number five, highlight user-generated content. You know, I'll give you an example. So we have a customer who started a podcast because she said, you know, no one was reading my emails. People weren't showing up to her standing meeting. So she started a podcast. And so then we interviewed her on our podcast and we highlighted her content all over the place. So, and it was all about how to better use Playbox, which, you know, win-win for everybody, win for her in terms of highlighting a unique way of sharing content with her team, a win for us because it educated folks about ways that you can educate people about particular software, in this case, ours. So I would highly, highly recommend if you find out that your user is creating guides or um, podcasts or emails or whatever it is to encourage the use of your solution, highlight that and thank them a lot because <laughs> they just made your job so much easier. That's really interesting because I've I've thought so much about, you know, having people on podcast or, you know, highlighting them because they want to get into thought leadership. But I think the mm -hmm. thing that I'm forgetting is some of our customers are already trying to do this. They just don't have the reach that our companies have. So having somebody on a podcast, having them, you know, in a blog post to feature the cool things that they're doing in the industry. And it's obviously great if it talks about our products, but even if it doesn't talk about our products and it's just beneficial to our industry, I think that's also a really interesting kind of nice thing to do for our customers. Yeah. And the thing is, Dan, like they don't think about it as thought leadership. They just think about it again as this is a good practice. I was trying to engage people in a different way. And so this is what I came up with which is brilliant. And you're like, this is brilliant. And we should tell everybody about it. And it becomes thought leadership. How, how are you uncovering which of your customers are doing stuff like this? Like, does it just kind of trickle up? Like, are you talking to the CSMs to see who's doing yes. these things? Yes, 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 yes. It, it, I would love to say, oh, Dan, we have this really well articulated and, and huge machine where we cover all of these, uncover all these ideas. No, it usually comes from folks who are closest to the customer. I love that. So the next one, uh, kind of similar to the, to the last point, invite customers onto webinars or podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is an easy one too. If you find out, for example, um, someone is, you know, we, we serve, customer service centers. We, we serve customer support centers and contact centers, and all of those folks are trying to do more with less. So for example, if I have a webinar, how to do more with less coming up and finding customers who are also, you know, they're, they're challenged. Like they have to hire fewer agents, retain the agents that they have, you know, do more with less, just like um, this podcast is about. So I think um, then uncovering folks who want to talk about what they're doing and their best practices is, is a win-win for everybody. And I would much rather have a webinar and, or a podcast or any piece of content 
with a customer because it's it's just way it's way more validating than coming from Michelle the CMO. It's way better for a customer to say, "Here's what I'm doing." That gives their peers something to learn from. And so, a couple of follow-up questions from that: Are you typically starting with a customer and saying we want to feature Shelly and then doing a webinar around that? Or are you starting with a topic and then trying to figure out which customer bets fits that topic? So both actually. So uh, we have a few customers who have come forward and said, I would do anything for you guys. And here's a couple of topics I'd be comfortable talking about. And in that case, we, we really form the entire program around their topic or we have a topic that we know will be interesting to our audience and then we try and find a customer to talk to it. So it works both ways. And the follow-up question on that is probably, the answer is probably similar to what you said before, but when you have that topic around say doing more with less, how are you then trying to figure out what customer would be a good fit for that topic? I stalk our CSM team and our sales team and say, hey, I have this upcoming webinar uh, who would be a really good person to, when has this come up as a topic? And it's in right now in the climate that we're in, it's rare that it isn't a hot topic. And have you seen any success or, you know, approaches that have been successful with trying to get your CS and sales team to nominate customers for that? Because sometimes, you know, the view can be, ah, what, what's in it for me to, to help Michelle find a customer that's that's a good fit for this? Like anything, you, I think sometimes we're just blessed yeah. with good CS and sales teams, but anything you've seen work? I, I've done um, gift cards and, and things like that for folks, but I, you know, I would say at Playbox, we're really, really fortunate in that we, one of our company values is be a good human. And it's just sort of one of those things that's like part of being a good human and raising the visibility of our business. And so it's, I would say that the, the gift or the prize or whatever is more inherent to increasing our, our company's visibility as opposed to being forced to, to give some, someone something. Yeah. So just the, the, the tip is just have good people work at your company. <laughs> Yeah. That, is the, that is the starting ground. Have a this. really great culture like the one we have. Everybody be more like Playbox, I think, is the yeah. takeaway of, of that answer. And, and so then when you've identified a customer, how are you pitching this? Say it's not a customer that's come forward to you. You've identified a customer you think would be a good fit. How are you pitching opportunities like a webinar or a podcast to them to make them want to say yes to this? I do everything for them. Eight years or so ago, when I was head of demand generation at a different but related um, type of industry, when we were um, getting our customer marketing program off the ground, I would get on the phone with customers and I would say, listen, I'm just going to interview you, then I'm going to build your slides for you, then I'm going to send them over to you and we'll do one, it will be one and done. And if you want a rehearsal, we'll do that. But usually it's, you know, it's plenty for me to build out the slides. And so if you make it as low effort as possible, and you really focus on, hey, we're highlighting your experience with your peers, that's a win-win. I never, ever, ever talk about the company itself. So I never say to someone, hey, I'd love for you to do a testimonial for Playbox and talk about how great we are. While they might be more than willing to do that, that's not exciting for them. It's better to say, hey, you have a best practice around retaining agents, I'd love for you to talk about how you do that because it looks like you've created some really innovative programs. And as a result, your retention is much better than any of your peers. 
So would you be willing to talk about that? That's how I, that's how I um, spell it out for folks. I imagine that also allows you to have a little bit more consistency when it yeah. comes to the presentation styles and things yeah. like that. Cause sometimes, unfortunately with some customers, when we leave it to them to, to put together the slides, uh, their slides could use a little bit of help. Uh, so having access to, you know, your design team, having the same at least group of people putting these together every time, I'm sure allows for like a really consistent format. You can make sure that things are really well put together. Um, yeah. And then, like you said, I mean, the easier you can make it to say yes to these things, probably the harder it is then to say no. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm pretty persuasive as well. <laughs> you seem like you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't let them say no, like you're, you're yeah. going to hound them just like you stalk your CSM team. Yes, yes, said, yes, yes. Well, and I don't have to stalk them that much because again, if they're good humans, they're going to put forth customers because they want to raise the customer's visibility too. Absolutely. So, so number seven, social media promotion. What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, so this, this goes along with um, the former one. So if you have a customer who's doing a webinar, a podcast, or if they just did something really terrific, or when they come on board for the first time, we, we always, always, always announce on social media like, hey, we want to welcome this particular customer. So I, I would just say, you know, highlight what customers are doing that's innovative, highlight their success and share it with your customer base and your, you know, potential future advocates, which, you know, some folks refer to as prospects. Yeah. And I think it's something that's also probably pretty easy to templatize too, right? Like yeah. you can just get it, work with your design team one time to put together a template for new product launch, you know, certain success uh, that you might want to highlight. And then just, you know, if you have it in something like you know, Canva, for example, that you don't need yeah. to get into InDesign or Photoshop and mess around right. with. I'm, I'm sure like it's probably just a bit of upfront work, but then after that, the marketing team can probably mostly take that on. Yeah. Easy peasy. So next one, branded giveaways, some good swag, I think is what this is all about. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Wait, hold on, hold on. I think we, I think we skipped one. Let me... You skipped one, but that's okay. We don't have to go in order. So okay. it doesn't have to be um, something super pricey. It can just be Again, a branded coffee card. It can be something small. It's just something to say, I'm grateful for your business. That's all. Easy. Then that's an easy one that I think people often do. Yeah. And, and so we, we have an episode coming out talking about you know gifting uh, to customers. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this. How do you try to strike the balance between, you know, sometimes our marketing teams want to send out branded swag because they want our logos everywhere, but sometimes our logo on stuff can kind of ruin that gift for somebody. How do you think about when you're trying to to send these gifts, balancing, making it worthwhile from a marketing perspective, but not, I don't know, putting a logo on something and they never want to use that thing again? You know, actually, I've never heard someone say like, oh, you ruined it with your logo. So that actually surprised <laughs> Maybe you've me just worked at companies that have nice logos. I don't know. It's... Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I actually worked for a company a while back and all our colors were orange. And so like, yeah. but I've I've never heard that. And I think if the gift is thoughtful and resonates and if it's a jacket or a t-shirt or something like that I don't think folks would be like well you ruined it with your logo so I don't know I I, I think folks would expect to get something with your logo it would be kind of weird to have a send something and have it be non-logoized I, I think I just made up a word there so I don't know I think it would be really weird to send something without a logo 
maybe I just have a wish list of just stuff I want that I was going to buy myself. And then I just tell you, Hey, buy me this thing. And it doesn't have (laughs) that's a whole different thing. And I don't know if that's customer marketing or like straight up bribery. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's more than the bribery. Maybe that's a separate podcast episode. Yeah, exactly. Customer marketing is not bribery. (laughs) I might've, I might've started something here. I feel like that's just, I have an Amazon wish list and you just start buying me stuff. (laughs) That doesn't have your logo on it. Uh, we'll, We'll come back to that one. But number eight, that was is now kind of nine, but originally was eight, an in-product idea portal. So I think um, when you release something, um, so so I think you know in today's world, most people have some sort of an idea portal where customers can say, "Hey, this feature would be really useful," and then people voted up and down. When I worked at Rally Software years ago, we we did that quite regularly. And so then go back to folks who either originally came up to the with the idea or who voted it up. And so when you release that functionality, say, hey, we just released uh, automated something or other. And that was a result of Lisa, someone put in that request. And thank you, Lisa. And thank you for everybody who voted it up. It's another easy way to make f- people feel special and recognize that your customers also contributed to the development of your product and your product roadmap. And how are you actually sharing that this specific customer came up with that? You can share it like in your in the um, portal itself. You can share it like over email. You can put it in the customer newsletter. You can do it on social media. You can share it in a whole bunch of different ways. It just depends on, you know, folks, you know, some people do not want their company mentioned ever. Because they think if you if you mention their company, it's it's you know their PR folks would go crazy. So I, I think you just have to think about who the customer is. Is it um, is the feature itself a competitive advantage versus you know someone else out there that that you are competing against? So then you might want to keep it lower profile and just announce it in your customer newsletter and and to your to a smaller audience. Yeah, and I, I think it's also such a great way to show people like, Hey, we actually do listen to this feedback. Like, look at this example of this is the person who raised it. We listened to this. We realized this was important. We released it. I I think it's such a great way to show people because then that you're creating that feedback loop where people actually then want to start giving you more product suggestions because then they know that it might get actually implemented. Yes, 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 yes. It's, it's sort of this, it creates a unique kind of circle of life. You know, people see that, then they want they want to be recognized, or they want to suggest a particular feature, and um, it just creates a lot of energy and advocacy around your solutions. One thing I'm thinking, and this is this kind of goes down the bribery one. Maybe this is a stupid idea, but bear with me here. You, you know how, like in I don't know wildlife stuff, when somebody discovers a new bird or something, they get to name it. Maybe yeah. that's what your customers do. They they get to <laughs> you suggest a product feature, you get to or it gets named after you. It probably you know, it might I not work. Know, Dan, but... As the marketing person, I really want consistency in our naming convention. So I might struggle a little bit with that, but um, I'm sure there's some folks that would be thrilled to have that happen. Maybe it's an internal only name and yes, then there's a publication maybe. name. But then what happens is you have an internal name and everyone starts using it and then it becomes external. So I'm always very... <laughs> Let the best yeah, name of, survive, of Michelle. Let the best let the best name win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the last one aggregates stats across users. 
This worked really well at, um, I worked for a company that did software for childcare places. And um, we were the largest provider in the industry. And during the pandemic, childcare and the lack thereof was everywhere in the news. And it was a big issue with women going back to work. And what we realized is we had tons of stats from our users. And so we put out a report that indicated, you know, here, here were childcare places that were closed that were never coming back. Here is sort of the state of childcare. And in that industry report, it got covered by Fortune, Wall Street Journal. It got covered by a ton of folks because we were speaking about something that was not only relevant in sort of the regular news, but also we had the statistics to back it up because we had the largest user base. So I would say that you can do that if you have a very large user base and, and, and put out some really interesting stats. Yeah. And how did you go about surveying your customers? Like you just figure out like the types of things you wanted stats on and then sent out a survey form? No, we actually pulled from the product itself. So what we could see is, you know, things like, you know, whether they were sending out payments, whether they were not processing payments, which indicated to us that they um, were temporarily closed or if they hadn't processed payments for a while and, and things like that. So we just used stats from the product to put out this report. It was really, really powerful. Yeah, and I would imagine, I mean, that really cuts down on the administrative burden of trying to get your customers to do stuff. They don't have yes. to do anything. And then you also don't get any sort of self-reporting bias uh, that sometimes yes. you can get with just asking people to to try to quantify things. It was also all anonymous. So we didn't, you know, we didn't publish anything that, you know, folks would have been upset about. It was more about like what, in what states were impacted the most by childcare centers closing, where where were becoming childcare deserts. I mean, things like that. It was really, really interesting. So before we get to our wrap-up question, is there anything we haven't talked about around starting customer marketing programs? I don't want to say on the cheap, but uh, low or no cost ways. And anything we haven't covered around this topic that you think would be good for people who are trying to find ways to do this without much budget? Yeah, a couple of things um, to add, you know, a couple of bonus ones. So you could add um, G2, Trust Radius, Captera reviews to your website. That's an easy one. Your customers are already giving you those reviews. Add them to your website. Um, you can repurpose content for different verticals. So that can you know, be for future advocates and for your current customers. And then you can leverage um, social polls and also tag customers. So to your point of like doing surveys, so you could do a survey on LinkedIn and say, hey, you know, what is your biggest challenge right now? You know, tell, is it retaining your agents? Is it scheduling? Is it forecasting, et cetera? And then, and then use that information for a thought leadership piece. So those are a couple of bonus ones that you can do to, to better drive your content. Hear that people, you came for 10, you got 13, you got, you got 30% more. You get a bonus. Now with 30% more advice. <laughs> Love that. So the, the wrap up question I always like to ask everybody for our listeners at home, if they can take one step in the right direction today, tomorrow to be more customer obsessed, what's, what's that one thing that they can do? So I think you and probably your listeners are thinking that I'm going to pull something from the list, but I'm going to say something that I haven't said yet. And that is have a tribe. 
find folks who are also doing customer marketing at other companies and make them your tribe because the best ideas are not are all like all of these ideas some of them I've personally done but some of them are pulled from my tribe and um, or people who are have done customer marketing for a really long time so find your tribe and then ask them what are some low cost ways that you started customer marketing and leverage the heck out of those people and i think now more than ever with LinkedIn groups, Slack groups, like there's so yes. many communities now with, you know, customer marketing has become enough of a thing yes. that it, it's at a pretty interesting point where it's enough of a thing that there are people that are out there, but it's it's not as big of a thing. So people are, are really passionate about it and feel like they're vanguards with this stuff. So you get groups of people that are really want to help and really want to spread the message of this. And there's just so many resources out there now around customer marketing if you start looking for them. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, Dan, no one is ever going to say to you, if you say, Hey, Dan, I think you're an expert in this. And I'd love to talk to you for 10 minutes about it. Who's going to say no to that. And when I made the transition from VP to CMO, I reached out to my network. I reached out to folks that I didn't know. And I reached out to people I knew by reputation only and said, Hey, you've made a similar transition. Would you talk me through some of your key learnings? And nobody said no. Yeah. I think just sometimes you, you just have to ask. I think we're, yeah. we're, we're always expecting a no, but no's don't actually come as much as we think they will. No, especially if you ask someone to talk about themselves. People love to talk about themselves. I know I do. I started a whole <laughs> podcast. But no, this isn't enough about me, actually. But Michelle, this this was terrific. We, we came for 10. I think we ended up getting like 14 out of this. Uh, but I, I think there's so many ways to illustrate that. You know, customer marketing is a worthwhile thing. And, you know, I think to do it right, you still do need resources. You need time and money. But there are a lot of ways that you can get started on this today, prove this out, start adding value without having to have a lot of budget. So thanks so much for being on the show. This is great. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. So there you go. Some really good customer marketing ideas from Michelle and then some less than perfect ideas by me. To run truly effective customer marketing programs, the reality is that you'll need some budget. You'll require time and resources, and those things aren't free. But constraint breeds creativity. When our budgets are cut, it's easy for us to throw up our hands and say we can't do anything. But Michelle has outlined plenty of approaches that don't require more budget. Just a little elbow grease. If you're looking to drive more customer marketing initiatives, or even test things out before going all in, Michelle's suggestions might be just what you need. This has been the All About the Customer podcast, brought to you by Influitive. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar. Until next time, maybe don't let your customers name your features. It's a fun idea, but probably a bad one. That's how we got Bodie McBoatface. <laughs>